Well, it's an honor to be speaking here today, and I want to say thank to Pastor Mark and his wife Kathy for inviting me. Uh, we connected at the ELM Leaders Summit back in May, and it was an incredible time uh, we had over there, and just an honor to be speaking to you today. Well, I've got my wife, just like Pastor Mark says, right here with me, and um, she's going to be ministering at the end um, when I finish speaking. Uh, just you to know where I'm from. My dad is Nigerian. My mom is from Ghana. I was born in Liberia. I live in Manchester. I'm buying to from Stockport. So, my parents are missionaries, and we moved over to Manchester in 2001, because we believe God is not finished with Great Britain, and uh, we believe there is going to be another great awakening uh, that surpasses anything we've read about in history books. I mean, spiritual awakening, where masses of people start to turn to God. And God is sending people like us back to this nation to prepare the way for what he's about to do. Uh, we lead a ministry in Manchester called Prayer Storm. Our heart is to see a prayer revolution across the body of Christ. And, um, you know, it's been said, you go to church on a Sunday morning, you find out how popular the church is. This is a fairly popular church. You go to church on a Sunday evening, you find out how popular the pastor is. You go to church on a prayer meeting day, you find out how popular God is. And uh, you only need to look around most of our Western churches to realize prayer meetings are not that popular, perhaps because people are not really engaging with God in the way they should. And we really believe every great move of God is preceded by a great move of prayer. And if that's true, the church needs to be awakened in that release of the spirit of prayer and intercession. So we organize prayer gatherings in Manchester, days of fasting and prayer for the nation. Uh, we equip people, we teach people in prayer, and I've seen God do some incredible things through prayer. And I don't have time to go through just incredible testimonies about that. But trust me, it is the most amazing privilege we have to engage with the creator of the universe in the way that we do through the, the medium of prayer. Um, I want to be sharing some things with you today. I know there's some grieving going on here today. And uh, my wife and I have also been grieving some situations that have been going on in Manchester. You'd be aware of the terror attacks, but also some things also close, very close to us. And uh, it's been causing me to reflect on some things. Uh, one of the major churches in Manchester, probably the biggest church in Manchester, and the leaders of that church are very close friends of ours. And the pastor's wife, who was also co-pastor, just passed away just suddenly, only a few weeks ago. So we've been trying to process some of what's going on and grieve and, you know, and yeah, got some questions and trying to understand all that's happening. And I feel like God has been stirring some things in my heart that I want to share with you along this line of how to grieve right. Because grieving is not wrong. Um, uh, and I said in the, in the uh, first service, you know, it's not wrong to have questions. I believe questions in the context of trusting God lead to revelations. Questions outside of the context of trust lead to unbelief. So we need to have our foundation on trust uh, and our, our perspective set right. And uh, one of the scriptures that really got, gave, gave me some perspective, actually, is the book of Job. Now, I don't know how you're familiar with the story of Job, uh, and I'm not going to go into the details, but I want to read a few things from this passage. Because once I finish reading this, you understand that Job was really having a really bad day. Now listen to this. Now there was a day when, this is Job chapter 1 verse 13. There was a day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine with their eldest brother in the house. And a messenger came 
to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys and feeding them besides them when the Sebians raised them and took them away. In the, de- in the deed, they killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While this servant was speaking, another one came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burnt up the sheep and the, and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now listen to this. The fire from God came and consumed his property. Okay, that's kind of intense, especially because Job was a devout man. He was devoted to God in his prayer, in his seeking. And then while that one was speaking, another, another one came and said, um, the Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels and killed them. Yes, they killed the servants with the urge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While that servant was speaking, another one came and said, um, your sons and your daughters, this is now his children, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house and suddenly a wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they're dead and I alone have come to tell you. Now, how many understand that's not a good day? It's not just one tragedy, but tragedy after tragedy. And then his children all perished in one moment. That is a significant thing to go through. What amazed me was Job's response to what he just went through. Now, as much as we're grieving right now, I don't think what we're going through is compared to what Job went through right here. In in terms of the magnitude, I don't know how many children he had. I think about 10 or so. And they all perished just like that. You know, so he is going through emotional turmoil. So it's important for us to look at how he responded because I think there's something we need to learn about this with dealing with grief. Now, you know what he says about Job? When he heard the news, he tore his robe, he shaved his head. That is a picture of grief. Job grieved. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to go through those emotions. That is okay. But the next thing Job did is actually shocking. After hearing this news and grieving, you know the next thing he did? He worshipped. Most people don't get past the grieving. They stay there and don't learn that worship actually brings healing. But it's amazing to me that in the midst of such a difficult circumstance, his first response was to worship. Now, I've heard someone say, you know, uh, we're supposed to bear the fruits of the Spirit. So when, as a Christian, when you're under pressure... What comes out of you should be what you've been putting in you. For many Christians, when they're under pressure, it's rubbish that comes out of them because they've not really been storing stuff in them and bearing the fruits. The fruit of the Spirit, the Bible talks about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. The fruit, they're not, they're not for you. They're for other people to eat. Does that make sense? So Job is in this situation and he's under pressure. What comes out of him is a heart of worship to God. Now, worship is such a powerful thing to do. And many people think we only worship because we feel good. I know Pastor Mark referred to that earlier on. Worship because life is going great. Worship because, you know, God has blessed me in this way and that way. Anyone can worship and praise God when life is great. That does not take any amount of faith to do that. But it takes a man or woman of faith to be able to raise your hands, to be able to talk to God, to be able to worship in the midst of pain. That's why it's called a sacrifice. Yeah. 
That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. Because it costs something. When worship was first mentioned in the Bible, Abraham was asked to sacrifice. So worship is not just music. And music is not worship. In fact, you can sing and not worship. When your heart engages with the creator of the universe, you're stepping into another realm, and that's when you really begin to engage with what worship is. Something that comes from the depths of your heart. You can sing songs and not worship. But I have found something happen in that place of worship that shifted my heart. And one of the reasons I believe Job was able to do what he did is because of the depth of his relationship with God. His relationship with God was not based on what God could do for him. It was based on who God was. So he was able to worship even though the things around him were fading away. He was able to engage with eternal things. Many Christians, many believers have their lives very fixed on temporal things that fade away. Our joy and our peace many times is tied to material things. But Job was not like that. He had a depth of relationship with God. And that was why he responded in worship. I want to call you into a place of a deeper relationship with God. You cannot have relationship without communication. You can't tell me you're in a relationship with anyone and there's no communication going on. Well, this is where prayer come in, comes in. If you're visiting for the first time, this is maybe your first time at church, I want to tell you this. We believe in a God that speaks. <laughs> yeah. So when I say communication, I don't mean a one-way dialogue. Because we're calling you into a deeper relationship. And relationship is a two-way street. I'm not just talking to God. Guess what? God is also talking to me. You mean God, creator of the universe, can talk to me? Yes, he does. And he can talk to billions of us all at the same time. That's why he's God. <laughs> yeah. When you realize that the creator of the universe wants to talk with you and have relationship with you, I don't know why you wouldn't want to have a conversation with him. I don't know why. I mean, it's a bit of a tangent. I remember a few years ago, I was in the center of Manchester, and um, it was during the Commonwealth Games, and uh, I was doing some stuff about church back then, and I just heard that the queen was walking past. So I thought, wow, well, great opportunity to meet the queen. So I walked over to this place, loads of police, loads of people, all the barriers and everything. Lo and behold, she starts to walk fast and wave at everyone. I was like, wow, that's the queen. And to my shock, she walks up to me. <laughs> Looked into my eyes, smiled, and said, are you a student? Now, in that moment, I was like, is this real? <laughs> Am I dreaming? So I was just so shocked. I was like, yes. And I, I'm not kidding you. She stood there, looked and smiled for maybe another five seconds. It wasn't just a hi and walking up. She looked into my eyes, smiling for another five seconds-ish, and then walks off. Now, I am just in shock. I cannot believe what's just happened. I remember some guys from the radio station came and was like, what's it like to talk to the queen? And I didn't even know what to say. I was just overjoyed. Like, I cannot believe this just happened to me. I remember going home, telling my parents, you won't believe what just happened. I was so excited. And then I was, I was praying one day and I felt the Lord say to me, you're excited that the queen spoke to you. How about me, the king of kings? <laughs> I don't just want to speak to you. I know your name. 
Now, you would feel pretty cool if you had the mobile no number of the queen on your phone right now. And you could text her and she could respond. You would feel pretty important that you have a direct line to someone so important. But I want to say to you, through prayer, you have a direct line to the most significant person in the whole universe. You don't just have a direct line to him. He actually wants to talk to you. <laughs> he wants relationship with you. But many of us don't believe it. That's why prayer is not powerful in the church as it is. The reason why many times our corporate prayer meetings are so dull and dead is because our primary prayer times are non-existent and dead. You won't have effective corporate prayer meetings without effective times in your personal prayer life. See, there are many descriptions of our relationship with God. We're called the bride of Christ. We're called sons of God. We're called servants of God. We're also called warriors. Okay. We cannot be an army if you are not a soldier. So actually, as a believer, you need to grow in your relationship with God. Because because of your growth, you impact the growth of this church and this body. Many believers just come to take, 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 feed me, feed me, feed me. Okay, I didn't go here in the morning, but I'm going to go here right now. So listen, if you're coming to church and you're looking to be fed all the time, you're just communicating your level of spiritual maturity. Only babies have to be fed all the time. I've got a four-year-old and he can feed himself. So if, if you tell me you're not being fed, have you lost your Bible? Have you lost your worship prayer life? Because you can feed yourself in your home. Now, I'm not trying to say we don't come to church. Yeah, go ahead. I'm not trying to say we don't come to church to receive the word of God. But many of us place all the pressure on the leaders to deliver something. Whereas we're not living in any depth of relationship with God at all. And God is calling us to a new depth of relationship. We have to shift past the shallow Christianity. I love to think about the fact that the apostle Paul in scripture... We celebrate the depth of his relationship with God because he wrote a lot of the New, the New Testament. Now, he had a deep walk with God. How many agree Apostle Paul had a deep walk with God? How many realize Apostle Paul did not have an iPod in his, in his prison cell to play worship music while he had his prayer time? Apostle Paul did not have anyone in his prison cell to cheer him on and say, come on, Paul, let's worship God. He was there and he could, he could go deep in God. My point I'm trying to make is, in the 21st century, our Christian lives are very shallow because many times we depend on a lot of external props that sometimes we used to cover up our shallowness. It's okay to embrace your shallowness and say, okay, God, right now I know I'm shallow. <laughs> Take me into the depth of who you really are. Yesterday's depth is today's shallow. If you're truly walking with God, you never should become, you never should get to a place where you're like, okay, I've arrived now. You never arrive. <laughs> the apostle Paul said, I am pressing on. Forgetting those things are bad. Those are good things as well. So you don't live your life now based on what God did last year, even though that's great. You don't live your life in the memory of yesterday's passion. You live your life in the reality of today's burning zeal for God. Yeah. And the Lord has been challenging me in this whole idea of learning to worship in difficult circumstances. You would only do that when, you understand, when, when, you're, when your relationship with God is gone beyond the shallow. And your relationship with God is gone beyond natural things. And you realize there's, there's an eternity. God is spirit. 
we're physical beings living in a, in a, we're spiritual beings living in a physical body, and this world fades away, but eternity is coming. In fact, eternity starts now with our relationship with God. We're entering into that reality, and for eternity, we're going to keep growing in that reality of relationship. It starts right now. Now, I was recently in a situation where um, nothing compared to grief that you're going through, but something of distress. Maybe that's the best way to describe it. And I learned something about God in this moment that I think is something important we need to appreciate. Now, um, uh, our, our prayer ministry, Preston, we just released this CD called We Declare War. Uh, we released this back in April, and we went through so much to get this out. And I, I always say, you know, you can't call an album We Declare War and go through no spiritual warfare. You're giving birth to it. I'm telling you, demons are real. Angels are real. God is real, heaven is real, and hell is real. If you don't believe me, I hope you believe him because, you know, I don't want it to be too late when you finally realize it's true. So we were going through a lot of opposition. I know some believers would say, oh, yeah, every little problem in their life, they say spiritual warfare. I'm not one of those. You know, my phone's broken, spiritual warfare. My boss is horrible to me, spiritual warfare. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I mean, it was intense, even to the point of some people dying, miscarriages, crazy things, you know, things that were unusual activities happening in sequence consecutively, just like that, you know, and just terrible things going on over a period of a year and a half. So we'd advertise the release date for this album. We're going to release it on Saturday, I think 27th of April. And uh, my wife and I were just so glad to get to the finish line. And be like, okay, God, this is over. We're just free right now. We've, we've done what you said we should do. And, you know, we're just, we're done right now. And uh, we're so eager to get there. And every stage of this process was so much opposition, resistance, issues, and issues, and issues. We're just so frustrated. Well, on the day before the release day, I was sent to the masters of uh, the recordings and I was going to upload it to this uh, website that was going to get it on all the digital platforms. So the person who sent it to me said to me, they're fine. So I just took his word for it and uploaded it. And then I was on my way to a meeting where my wife was leading worship and I was playing the keys for her. So um, I'm on my way going to this event. So I'm in the car listening back to what I've just uploaded on this website. Uh, as I'm, and as I'm listening back to it, there are errors on the track. And this is a, a year and a half's worth of work and thousands of pounds invested. And the next day is the advertised release date. I'm thinking, this can't be. This can't be. So um, I go to the venue where we're having this meeting. I looked at my wife and I said, it's over. Because <laughs> I, I, honestly, there was no faith in me at that point. I'm like, God, I don't know what else to do. She got on the platform and she started to lead uh, worship. And I was behind the keys playing. And she started to sing this song. Some of you know it, King of My Heart. It says, you're good, you're good, you know. And then there's a part of the song that says, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me. How many of you know that song? So she's singing this song, and I'm behind the keyboard. I'm listening to the words with the distress I'm feeling of everything that's falling apart. And we're singing, you're never going to let me down. How many understand it's not an easy thing to say in that moment? When I feel totally let down and it's all over, and I felt like God said something to me that really shifted my focus, and it was this. 
there's probably not going to be another situation like this soon, James. When you're going to have the opportunity to worship me while you're feeling these depths of emotion and distress. So how about you make the most of this opportunity right now? (laughs) And use your distress, convert it into worship and declare that I am a good God and I'm never going to let you down. Now, that kind of worship does not necessarily happen every day. Because these kind of storms in life that many of us go through every now and then, you know, you know, they come in seasons and waves. And there's sometimes when we're going through difficulties, we need to learn how to convert that into worship. But not allow ourselves to be bitter by what's going on, but actually to come out better people. So that's what I did. I turned into worship and praise God. And I go home after that. I looked online. This is the 27th. The album is meant to be released on the 27th. Sorry, this is the 26th. I looked online on iTunes and the album has gone live with all the errors on the 26th. So the best way to describe the feeling I was going through is if you're a student and you've graduated from university, on the final day of your dissertation to be handed in, imagine you plug in your pen drive to the computer and your file is corrupt and you have no backup. Do you imagine, can you imagine the emotion you feel in that moment of, (laughs) it's done, I I don't know what else, you just, I don't even even know if to go crazy right now, I don't know if to sit on the floor, if to lie down, if to well, if to, it's like, I'm just, I'm just overcome by just, overwhelmed with distress, that's the word, distress. So when I saw it was live on iTunes, I was just like, (laughs) just so distressed. And um, anyway, long story short, um, I was up till early hours of the morning trying to call these company, this company's offices all over the world, <laughs> trying to get in touch with somebody. Finally, I was going to get through to Australia about two in the morning. This is the release day. And I, as far as I'm aware, I know some people are starting to download the album at that point. So I'm like, God, I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. So I'm calling Australia and on the phone, before I call, I say, Lord, whoever answers the phone, give them a heart to help me. This lady answers the phone, and I explain to her the situation. And by the way, on the website of this company, they say to take things offline that have already gone live, like on iTunes and all the digital platforms, it takes a month. A month. <laughs> so I call her, I explain the situation. You know what she said to me? She said, I'll get it down in 10 minutes. How many know I was a happy man? So... He was able to take it down by the midday afternoon of the release day. We're able to get the, the correct versions up there. And by around 7, whatever, 8 p.m., we're able to release an announcement to our friends that, oh, it's, it's live now. My wife and I were so relieved to be out of that. Okay? Now, imagine our surprise when we woke up the day after the release of the album to realize the album had gone to number one on iTunes and the Christian charts. The reason why I'm sharing this is, can you understand the night and day of the emotion of distress to, I mean, shock? God, what have you just done? Because that was not even on our radar at all. Now, why am I sharing that? Because I believe many times when we worship and when we engage with the heart of God, a lot of things happen in the spirit realm. The spirit realm affects the natural realm. Many of you want to change some situations in your family, in your homes, and you're trying to change it with your natural strength. 
I want to say to you, you have to first do your homework in the spirit. When you engage with heaven and the spiritual realm, when you engage with God, a heart of humility, a heart of worship, a heart of gratitude, from that place you influence the things that manifest in the natural. Because the Bible says to us that the things that we see were made from things unseen. So the unseen realm is superior to the seen realm. To change things in the seen realm, you have to first change them in the unseen realm. Many of us are wanting God to come in and change the situation. But first and foremost, God wants to come in and change you. And many times prayer is not so much changing the situation. At first, God is changing your perspective of the situation. Because the Bible says we're seated in heavenly places far above all works of darkness, principalities, powers, name them. We're far above. And you see, when you realize your altitude, your attitude will be different. Because when you're high up in the plane, everything that looks big on the ground, all of a sudden it looks very small. Some of you need to shift your altitude and engage with heaven. And to do that is going to take some effort. Prayer is difficult on the flesh. Because when you want to pray, your flesh, your body wants to watch TV. Your body wants to go to the movies. Your body wants to eat food, get on Twitter and Facebook and all these distractions. Remember Jesus says in Matthew 6, when you pray, go into your room. When you pray, there's a time to it. When? That's time. Go into your room. There's a place to it. Shut the door. Do you know what shutting the door means? This is shutting the door. Have you got your mobile phones? That's shutting the door. Today, the distractions are immense. You will not go deep in your relationship with God with multiple distractions everywhere. It's like you're trying to have dinner with someone, you're trying to catch up on some deep things, and they're always looking at their phone. How can you have a deep conversation when you can see that the person you're trying to talk to is not really in the conversation? How do you want God to talk to you when you can see that you're there, but you're not there? Some of you are here, but you're not here. You're there, but you're not fully there. Your mind, your soul, your spirit are not together. Your body is there, but your emotions are elsewhere. And Elijah was an effective man of prayer because he knew how to pray with his emotions. Emotions are not bad. We can't, we cannot afford to be led by them, but actually they're very important in prayer because the Bible says Elijah prayed fervently. You can't tell me you're fervent and your emotions are disconnected. Impossible. Impossible. You cannot tell me you're praying fervently and your emotions are not engaged. Okay. A casual approach to prayer produces casualties. Some of you are experiencing casualties around you because you're taking prayer very casual. You're just like, okay, I'm just going to say my 30-second prayer before I go to bed. And I'm just going to fall asleep as you're praying. You know, and I say, Jesus, our role model, Jesus... Mark 1, he woke up a long while before daylight and he went to a solitude, quiet place and he prayed. Jesus did that. If there's anyone that had an excuse not to pray, it's Jesus. If Jesus prayed with such intensity, who are you to think you're okay with 10 seconds of prayer a day? In fact, many believers, they feed their body three hot meals a day and feed their spirit one cold snack a week. And expect to be strong in the spirit. If you're going to be strong in the spirit, you have to feed your spirit. 
You will not be strong in spirit without communication with God. Because it's in that place that God begins to release strength into your spirit. The Bible says, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. If you're feeling weak, guess what? You need to get to the place of prayer. Like Mary, stay, stay at the feet of Jesus and your strength will be renewed in that place. For your strength to be renewed in that place, you have to be intentional about keeping that prayer place hot. Because I'm telling you, if you're not intentional about it, it's not going to work. You have to be conscious about developing your prayer life or you will be subconsciously influenced by everything else around you. And you become a thermometer as opposed to a thermostat. You start to conform to the atmosphere around you as opposed to changing the atmosphere. It's only people with strong spirits that go into places and shift the spiritual atmosphere. And to do that, you have to be strong in spirit. And to be strong in spirit, you have to feed your spirit time with God. I want to round up with this. It takes time to know God. You will not know God overnight. Just like I'm preaching, I'm speaking right now. My wife is here, my wife knows me, but many of you don't know me. The fact that I'm stood in front of you speaking does not mean you know me. You can experience the dimension of who I am, but you just don't know me. And to know me takes time. In the same way to know God, it takes time. You have to understand that you have to invest time in that relationship. You don't just say one prayer and then it's done and then you know God. No, no. There's no such thing like that. You grow in intimacy. You grow in fellowship. You grow, you grow in relationship. And it has to be a priority. Otherwise, you will not grow. Those of you who've been married understand how important it is to always spend time with your wife. If you're not consciously making time with your wife or your husband, you know how life is like. You know what life is like? Busy, busy, busy. Before you know it, there is no real intimacy going on. That's what many of us like as Christians. We just come to church, clap our hands, sing nice songs, but there's no intimacy with God going on. We're involved in activity, external activity, but no internal intimacy. We want God to show up publicly for us, but we're not showing up privately for him. You say you want God to pour out his spirit in our flesh in a public place. That is a public manifestation of his spirit. Joel 2.28, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. as a public display of God's power. But for us to see a public display of his power, you and me need to walk in the private overflow of his presence. Yeah. There's no public display of power without private obedience. Every manifestation of God that's authentic in the public place is based on obedience in the secret place. So we need to understand the value that heaven places on your one-on-one time with heaven. That is valuable. For most of us in the church today, we are more moved by crowds and we are more moved by bigger things that are external. But heaven is not moved by that stuff. Heaven is moved by the size of your heart before God when no one is looking. I want to encourage you to grow the size of your heart before God. I want to encourage you to embrace the difficult times in prayer. When you find it hard to engage, it's part of the process. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You need to embrace spiritual poverty. Realize your spiritual poverty. Embrace it and let God work in you. The fact that you're wanting to pray and you're feeling all the distractions, let that be a picture of how much you really need God. And say, God, right now I want to pray, but I don't feel like praying. I want to worship, I don't feel like worshiping. 
You know exactly where I'm at, God. These feelings are showing me how much I actually need you. So because I don't feel like doing it, it shows me I really need to do this. So I am going to make time to pray. Whether I feel like it or not, pray when it's easy, pray when it's hard. Pray when you feel like it, pray when you don't. Just pray. Yeah. I'm telling you, it will change your life's perspective. When you begin to function from the place of intimacy with God, I believe is the most significant thing you can give yourself to. All fruitfulness in life comes out of intimacy with God. All fruitfulness. I want to invite my wife to come up right now. Um, she's going to sing a song. And I want, I want to, as she sings this song, I want to call you into a place of rededicating yourself to God in prayer. And it starts right now. Some of you will need to make some fresh commitments. Lord, okay, I've got to be at work at nine. Perhaps I need to, I normally wake up at, I don't know, seven or six. Maybe I need to wake up 30 minutes earlier, an hour earlier. Whatever it is that you know works for you. There is no set religious routine of this. You just have to make up your mind. Lord, where, how, how can I create space for you? Some of you have been praying, Lord, I want more of you. And God is saying back to you, I want more of you. You're not giving him any time, yet you want more of him. Even if he poured more, where is that more going to go into? You're so busy. So you need to make some space. Prayer is very important. When I, as I'm speaking right now, I know God's stirring many hearts here to do this. But I want you to understand, desire without discipline will dissipate. If you don't take the desire that God is stirring in your heart and put it into a disciplined kind of way that works in your life, this time next week, you'll be like, oh, what's happened? Or next year, you'll be like, oh, what's happened? It has to become a personal commitment. So as she sings this song, I want to invite you to this place of refreshing your, um, rededicating your heart to God in this place of intimacy with him. Now, if you're not a Christian, you've never... You've never even heard anything. You just think I'm crazy sharing all these things. I want to, and you're feeling your heart being stirred. I want to invite you into relationship with God. I'm telling you, God sees everything. And you just need to talk to him. He hears you in the name of Jesus. So as Rebecca sings this song, I want to invite you to stand up with me right now. And we're going to respond to God and say, Lord, we will love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We will be your people. We will not be distracted. Thank you, Father, for your spirit. Awaken our hearts to prayer again. With all of 